and welcome to Dungeons and Drama Nerds. My name is Nick Orvis, and today I'll be joined by the cast of our Bluebeard's Bride one-shot, including our groundskeeper, Meeks. We're gathered here to talk about our experience of this delightfully creepy feminine horror game. Now let's go around and share names, pronouns if you'd like, and roles in the campaign, starting with Meeks. Yep. Uh, I'm Meeks. Uh, my pronouns are she and they, and I was the groundskeeper for Bluebeard's Bride. And Corey? Hello, I'm Corey, and I was the witch. Let's go to the witch, witch, let's go get away. Anyhow, I go by she, her. Come on! Gina? Hey, I'm Gina, and I played the virgin in Bluebeard's Bride. Hello? Uh, I'm Hale, and I played the animus in Bluebeard's Bride. And Ella. Hi, I'm Ella. My pronouns are they, them, and I was your safety and intimacy coordinator. Um, consultant? What did we decide? I, I don't remember. Which, whichever <laughs> is good. You both consulted and coordinated, for which we're extremely grateful. An independent <laughs> contractor, if you will. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Last but not least, I do want to name that Romana Isabella played the mother. They weren't able to be here for this recording, but we will be working their answers into the episode during post. Um, to kick things off, I just wanted to check my own memory. Had anyone here played Bluebeard's Bride before our recording? No. Seeing shaking heads. Yeah, so great. So for everybody, really, uh, since you were coming to this game new, I was curious... Uh, was there anything about it that you especially loved? And was there anything that kind of caught you off guard in this particular game? Yeah, I can go. Um, yes to everything. So this was my first <laughs> D&D experience ever. <laughs> or game. I don't even know if that's the correct terminology. Um, but I, this was my first game that I've played, roleplay game. And it was... I. When I was so grateful for how it was so easy to go along for the ride of it. Um, and as a huge horror fan, I was just loved being able to step into this really perverse and, and horror-ridden horror world. Um, and I was just surprised at how much um, fun I had and how natural it felt. I just, I loved every inch of it i want to play it again um for me like a lot of different gameplay especially just in like an rpg kind of setting you're always your own independent character so it was nice to have kind of a hive mind it i feel like it created a lot more dialogue i know i was kind of a troll at sometimes to everybody but also like you you festered that environment but it was like <laughs> anyhow we're not the witch anymore. Anyhow, it was real fun to just be able to like stay on the same narrative for everyone instead of kind of like, okay, now you wait and this is how your characters can do it. It saves a lot of transition time because we were all the same entity. I think that one made the gameplay a lot more faster and interactive. And it also just like, it was, you had to take more people into consideration instead of just like, oh, there's a goblin, I'm gonna kill it. Um, I, I'll say, I think I'm very, I've become very accustomed with, like, the horror game genre of, like, being in a room where everybody is, like, trying to make everybody else uncomfortable and, and it becomes, like, 
a, a bit cringe. It becomes a bit like, ooh, are we actually having fun or are we just like trying to top one another, making everyone else feel bad? <laughs> and this like stayed feeling good while being very, very scary. And that was um, delightfully surprising for me. I was, I actually was curious uh, whether that was to, to kind of see how you all felt about that because Bluebeard's Bride can be really, really dark. I don't know how many of you read like the full rule book, but even just some of their examples of play are really grim. Um, and I feel like we did go to some dark places, uh, but in a very like caring and negotiated way. So I was just curious how everybody felt about about that, about where we did go. I wanted more. Give me more. Like, the original Saw movie, good. Okay, some of the sequels didn't make sense, but like, I still wanted it. I was still ready for it. Give me the goods. Yeah, well, I, or I think, I, I'm pretty sure that all of us who are playing are in some way, like, actively working in horror, right? Or like, we like, like, like horror is a genre that I think we all really are are ready drawn to. So I maybe and maybe that just had something to do with it. Like we we already sort of approached the genre from our own experiences of like trying to make it ourselves or trying to sort of build a different version of horror that is sort of more inclusive or equitable, caring, sort of compassionate and aware. Um, I guess it, it felt very natural for all of us to sort of do that. So I think maybe, yeah, maybe I just was thinking that it, since we already pre-worked in it, I wonder if it would be very different if you only had like horror movie fans or you only had people who like read a lot of Stephen King novels or I don't, yeah, I don't know. I just wonder if the dynamic was sort of organically there with us because we, that's sort of what we easily do already. I'm seeing a lot of vigorous nodding. Yeah. And I, I feel like we did so much pre-work to get on the same page and to like meet each other so that it wasn't just a group of people gathering together and diving into the game, which I think was really useful. I didn't know anybody before the game. So I really appreciated being able to be like, who are you? Um, I also, but during the, the gameplay, I, I, there was one point where I was like, is there a ghost behind me? I just felt like there was like a ghost behind me. So I definitely like g got creeped out during it in a way that's fun and delightful as opposed to um, anything that's uh, feels bad. Um, and again, like just I feel like there was so much care that was went into it from Ellen Meeks and um just setting up all those guidelines made it so that like we could, I felt like, oh, we can dive into this and be safe and also scared, which is great. Being scared is fun, I think. There's an adrenaline rush that goes into being scared. It's like that little like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm okay. Like everything's good. You get those little goose pimples or goosebumps. And if I can like geek out for just a second, one of the reasons I got super into horror is because like there's all this research about how um, like horror entertainment can sort of com help complete adrenaline cycles in the same way exercising can help complete adrenaline cycles. So if you're someone like me who lives with chronic anxiety, sometimes like just peaking that scare meter really like helps a person come back down and that's something that i love about this and especially this game because it is really specifically about like the horror of like this gendered experience um in a way that i was able to go back to my life and like view those horrors in real time and be like oh okay cool <laughs> 
I especially loved how the game structure really maintains this feeling of powerlessness. I mean, I really often look to tabletop role-playing games to get this like casual exercise in cause and effect results. Like I have a goal and whether luck is on my side or not, the dice are on my side or not, I can possibly achieve it. You know, like if I know my stats well, if I think creatively, the only like different in results is the degree of success or failure. But in Bluebeard's Bride, getting results is absolutely not the goal. We know how the story is going to end. We know what's on the other side of the last door. We know what our fate is. And the like authentic pleasure of the game is 100% pure exploration and sensual experience. And I really loved having an opportunity to just focus on that. Actually, I was wondering, Ella and Meeks, uh, I was wondering if you two want to talk a little bit about kind of uh, the safety tools that we brought to the game and kind of how you worked together and separately to kind of ensure that everybody stayed safe with these maybe very heavy topics. No, Meeks, you go ahead. <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like I was I was just sort of building off what a, what uh, Ella brought in. Um, I, when I've played this, when I've run this game before, um, and with a group that I knew, we did a lot of um, a lot of I think like lines and veil stuff uh, uh, because we knew each other pretty well. And so with this game, I, I also played like a an actual play version with um, Magpie and watch some of the um, the tools that that GM brought in. Um, and, and they were amazing, but they they brought in like not only lines and veils, but also like, what do you wish for the game to be? Which helped like, I think really contextualize the game um, for me as, as, as coming in as a groundkeeper for a second time, just trying to be like, okay, what do we want the game to be? Um, so that we're not just talking about all of the things that could go wrong. We're also talking about all of the things that we actually want to see in the game. Um, and so while, yeah, lines and veils are super important and like can really help you contextualize all of that stuff, um, I thought having wishes in there as well, um, narrative wishes, which ended up being, you know, like zombie lesbians, like, great, we can make zombie <laughs> lesbians, no problem. Um, and like, you know, like that, that ends up making sure that even if it is scary, it's also like, yeah, but we knew this was possibly going to come. We didn't know how it was going to come, but it's going to come this way <laughs> with a zombie lesbian that's trying to eat your thighs. I don't know, for fun. Speaking on a lot of anxiety that's, you know, part of our everyday existence on this planet. Um, for me, it's like, I actually love horror, but I'm also terrified of it. Like, I used to watch a lot of horror in theater just because I was specializing in special effects makeup. But I am the biggest scaredy cat. Like, I will cry. I still can't watch The Ring. It's been decades. Still can't watch it. I am too scared. Um, so I like having gameplay. I like, like I play Resident Evil. I love the jump scare stuff, but it's again, like I'm in control and it helps me kind of normalize the fact that like, okay, these are things that are happening. Like there may not be zombies on the planet, but there are scary people. And like, I have to remember that I'm still in control of me. And that was a big um, thing that I was really looking forward to in this mindset of just like, okay, I know that I can still have um, control over my brain and how I choose to react versus like everything is out of control. All these things are happening. I don't know what to do. So it was like actually very therapeutic for anxiety. It was super helpful to, I mean, I feel like I went down this research rabbit hole of like, okay, 
There's this thing that happens sometimes when you're in like an intimacy or safety role where you're not sure if you're going to like walk into a set or walk into a rehearsal room and like it's all going to be on you to keep everyone safe. And so I find that I tend to get stressed about that of like, okay, is this like going to be a room of people who are like, we're just going to... Uh, go at full speed and like this intimacy person's gonna tell us to stop and so I went down like my research spiral of like I have to find all the tools and then I talked to Meeks and Meeks was like yeah these are the tools I'm planning on using and I was like oh my gosh amazing thank you and then I got in the room with everyone else and everyone had this mutual investment in safety and in like having a really good time and a really good careful time and it was just like oh my little heart burst um (laughs) and so um that was a part of it and like just the fact that all these mechanics already exist like the the x card and um and like being able to throw those up like in the chat and with our hands and um uh audibly if we wanted we had a lot of different means of um using these tools and checking in and keeping it safe in the moment i will say it was extremely heartwarming even just for me on the outside from our starting in our session zero and then throughout the game uh you all took such good care of each other it was really uh wonderful to watch and really like inspiring because i think these games uh can be challenging sometimes um in, we uh, interviewed one of the designers of this game uh, for the podcast. And when we were talking with her, I told her, you know, I don't when I first read this game, I was like, I don't know that I would personally like ever want to play this. Um, but I'm really in awe of what it is and like of its vision. Um, and it was really inspiring to see people take such good care of each other in engaging with this really like complicated work of art. I know that there are a lot of people out there who are like, and theater should be challenging, you know, and and they tend to say that in a way that disregards people's safety. And I'll also say that, like, looking at the history of the horror genre, like, it is supposed to be challenging. It's it's supposed to take something that comforts us or, like, lies underneath the surface and put a big old spotlight on it and be like, hey, this actually isn't safe. This actually can be scary. And, um... It was fun to get uncomfortable with you all. Yeah, I love that. That's a great reflection on <laughs> what what horror can do. Um, I think especially this uh, feminine horror, the designer Strix Beltran talked about, you know, one of the exciting things about feminine horror being that it's so much about agency and what you kind of are and aren't allowed to do. Um which which kind of leads me to one of my other more gamey questions. But I was curious for the players. Uh, I'm perpetually fascinated by this mechanic of the ring uh, that you passed around to each other, which basically lets you control the brides. Uh, it's uh, it's not quite saying that like it controls the bride's body, but that's the one that gives you access to the moves like leave the room or try to uh, declare that you know what's happened in the room. I'm forgetting what the the name of that move is. Um, But I was curious how you all felt about that. Uh, How did it feel to be in control when you had it? And how did it feel to like watch other people make decisions with it? Um, It's a kind of unique mechanic in game design, I feel like. This is maybe because of the way that I was playing the mother, but I legitimately felt like Gollum with that thing. 
and I hated not having it. And when I had it, I like really wanted to use its power to like its limit. I really became like an intense bear mom, 100%. (laughs) Um, I really liked it. I only played D&D 5e. So my experience of RPGs is also like, I just, what I appreciated about it was it was the way to to move, like things had to move forward. We had to, Mm. we could have stayed there either like anxious about horrors or discussing what maybe could happen or what, like they're unlike D and D where it's sort of like the enemy is upon you or whatever. And like, you're going to die whether you, and you have to do something about it. Um, it, it sort of kept it contained into like, yeah, I thought, I mean, it's, it's sort of the thing that makes this game, this game pretty genius. Like it keeps it contained inside the single human's body. Like it's, you know, it, it but it constrains the choices and the way that like, things in the real world of the game progress in such a way that they that they do have to move forward. I think the one the only I wish there were like two other moves. You know, like I, I just I feel like I wanted I needed I wanted like one or two more like angles to sort of figure out what was happening inside the room because the rooms themselves are so interesting. And like, I know I'm sure that Meeks put like hours of thought into like how these things like, you know, I just it was both like maybe maybe this game should just be two sessions. You know, maybe it's like not a one chat or something. just like all I, I just felt the ring was like completely necessary and it was awesome. But just the, the moves themselves at some point became a little constraining in the sense of like, I'd like to have a way to figure out something else. But but that's fine. You know, that's a, like a little quibble. Yeah, for me, I mean, it's the same thing. Like you get an idea. It's the same thing with any gameplay where you have to take turns and you can't just all like go in at your own uh, volition. And it would just be like, <laughs> I know, especially for you, Gina and Holly, like I <laughs> bash heads with you several times. And it's like, I want to do some nasty stuff. Come on. And it's just like, Why? <laughs> Um, it felt like we had teams felt, that, like, that was that felt really real to like the internal like that was the conflict right yeah. that's the whole point of like what we're trying to figure out as different people so you know 100% like organically it made sense but as a player it was just like <laughs> yeah, I yeah. want to do the thing let me do the thing damn it yeah I feel the same way it definitely added to that hive mindedness, which was hard at first to conceptually wrap my mind around I was like what do you mean we're all the same person that doesn't make any sense but then of course it made complete sense but it's like that thing of like I want to either when I wanted to do something and I wanted the ring to like be able to do that but also times when I was given past the ring and I was like don't do that I don't I don't want to be in charge of this moment are you great are you kidding me I don't want that at all um so it, it was just really interesting and fascinating though I do wish I just in general that there was more moves that we could make and that it like Meeks did such an incredible job with those rooms. And I just, I don't know. I also wanted to just, I was like, isn't this a mansion? Can't we go into 10 rooms? Like more More rooms, rooms. (laughs) more rooms. I want to (laughs) go. Yeah. Yeah. So that definitely constrained by like the, the physical reality of us recording in a set amount of time and so on. But uh, but I, I actually did want to ask, Gina, you mentioned being past the ring and being like, oh, no, I, I don't want this right now, which I find fascinating. Uh, did other people have that feeling, too? Or did you? Uh, I guess I'm also curious. There, there was a moment in the game, one of my favorite moments, where somebody passed uh, Corey the ring, 
the witch. And Corey was like, you all keep calling me in to fix the messes that you've made, which felt like very, you know, I was like, oh, that feels so par for the witch playbook of all of these, you know, um, kind of feminine archetypes or feminine tropes or whatever you want to call them. This feels so apt. Um, but I was curious. Yeah. Did, did you feel like you were evolving a, a method around who you passed the ring to? Or were there other people who were like, oh, this this ring has been passed to me and I absolutely don't want it? Or how, how did that feel? Everybody else go. You know what I'm going to say. <laughs> was some strategy I, I don't I mean at this like it was sort of it, some of it was spur of the moment it was sort of like yeah I don't want this anymore either or you had to pass the ring but I'm not like I think I put a little bit of like oh if you know the virgin might be the person to sort of thwart this particular horror or something like that you know I just often as the virgin didn't want the ring because I didn't want to do the nasty things but of course Gina wanted to <laughs> but also I was just it was like I don't want to I don't want this I can't do this okay I guess I will um that's my gameplay like meet Gina versus the virgin <laughs> As someone who very much never really got the ring organically and only had it passed, um, one, like, going back on the anxiety thing, it was nice to be like, all right, you know what, I'm going to take control and say whatever I can because this is a fictional environment and I can actually do whatever the frickle frack I want because, you know, when shit hits the fan in real life, you're like, oh, panic because, like, consequences. But here it's like, oh, no, spooky, fake ghost, oh. You won't fight. So there was a little bit more freedom to actually act on natural impulses and also just be like, I do what I want and call out these toxic behaviors, these crazy demons in front of us. It was really, really fun. But at the same time, I was like, gosh, darn it. I love you all so much. Dang, nabbit. I gotta clean up all your messes, and we're gonna call all these behaviors out, and we're gonna talk about it later in our headspace. But like, <laughs> Meeks, what was that like for you watching the the shift of power? It was really enjoyable. I mean, I just keep remembering like every single time it was t- passed to Gina, I was like, "Well, this is gonna be unfortunate because the Virgin's <laughs> gonna have to make a decision, and the Virgin doesn't want to make a decision." <laughs> so like, I I just remember like several times where it was like, and uh, like where where like something sexual was happening and the virgin was like i don't know what that means and i was like as the groundskeeper i'm trying to be very like really careful about how i'm saying this because i also you know there's a there's a certain pervy element of being the groundskeeper that i don't want to like necessarily lean into all the time but there's definitely times when the virgin was like oh what do you mean by that and i was like obviously what she means by this is this um and like and so it was just it was always that thing of like it it was interesting who could make a decision and who couldn't I guess is the other way to put that like because to me the ring moves seem to be um the place of of most action like you can you can do some actions as a maiden move but those actions are much more like inquisitive and just like trying to understand your world versus the um the ring moves which always felt to me like you were actually being uh, uh an active force within your story and the people who really resisted doing that 
was, was always interesting. Um, and the people who were like, yes, I need it. Like the witch, I need to make the active decision because clearly I'm the active part of this personality and everybody else is very passive. Like, uh, it was really interesting, but I also felt the same way from the animus. The animus always wanted to make a decision and almost always got the ring and then passed it within a few minutes versus the virgin who would get the wing and like hold on to it for several minutes. Right. Like that was just the difference of, of how those power dynamics played out. Like the animus was always like, no, here we're going to do, here's our next move. We got it. Action oriented. Here we go. But then that was over. So I, I enjoyed watching that power play. Yeah, and in some ways, because so many of the moves are like, do this thing and then pass the ring, the more action-oriented you are, the less time you spend with it, just because what so many of them are like, when you take action, you have to give it up immediately. Yeah. To be fair, Ro and I are, <clears throat> we're also in another campaign currently, and we're very much just the Leroy Jenkins of <laughs> gameplay, if you will. Very so good. that's just playing to our strengths. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to ask all of you, um, because I feel like you all contributed so much to the unfolding of this narrative. Were there any twists or moments uh, in the game that you really like did not see coming or that really like threw you for a loop in, I, I assume, a good way, but it doesn't have to be. And I include Meeks in that because I feel like as a as somebody who often is a, a groundskeeper GM type in my own games, I'm perpetually like flustered and <laughs> thrown off by what my players choose to do. The one that I remember the most right now is, and I can't remember who did it, but whoever decided to flush the the soap down the toilet. That was me. Was, yeah, yeah, it was Halei. It was Halei. It was a great move. <laughs> uh, but I just remember like you asking if there was a toilet in the room and I was like, Yes, I guess there can be. Not a problem. Whatever, sure. And then immediately it was like, great, I'm going to flush the soap down the toilet. I was like, naturally, one would do that. <laughs> now I have to figure out like what to do with this. So I felt like that was really like a, a very surprising thing in a good way. I think the other one um, was when uh, Romana uh, actually did say that they shivered from fear. Um, that was like, I wasn't like I, the way that we had sort of decided we were going to use that mechanic was that you could decide if like, I would ask you the question and you would decide if you were actually shivering from fear for not, because some people really don't want to experience that level of, of trauma and that's fine. But Romana said, yes, I'm shivering from fear. And then like, we went there in this like creepy children narrative. And then I think that caused them to shatter. And, um, I think that was really surprising to me too, just like how graphic that, that description got and then it leading to shattering. Cause I don't keep track of what anybody is, uh, where anybody's trauma is at any given point in time. So I was like, Oh no, Oh crap. You actually did shatter. Okay. Well, I guess that is how the game is played. But <laughs> I was also like, Ooh, oopsie. And then of course they, uh, they had to like go shortly after that. So they weren't able to like help us really shape the world, which was unfortunate. But, um, uh, I think those were like the two big surprising moments of the game was was uh, was the mother shivering from fear and the animus throwing the soap in the toilet. Yeah, getting shattered definitely surprised me. It like completely shocked me when Meeks talked about the idea of getting shattered. I was like, oh, definitely not going to happen to any of us. And then when it happened to me, I was like, oh, wow, I really played fast and loose. And like now I am completely shattered. 
I like couldn't believe it was happening and it was deeply disorienting. Yeah, that shivering. I remember that shivering from fear moment too. And it, it, because it happened so late in the game, it, but it was so interesting. I was like, I regretted that none of us had tried it earlier. You know, I was like, oh, that was a more interesting move than we thought it would be, I think. And then it happened. And yeah, that was cool. Um, what I remember with the shivering from fear moment is that they had rolled across the room away from their computer. That's what I remember was that they were on the other side of the room. And so they were this tiny little, this shape tiny little shape in the in their computer screen and I said are you shivering from fear <laughs> mother and they were like yes yes I am <laughs> okay here we go uh not to necessarily surprise or shock but just I think the most interesting moment where we actually were kind of batting heads and like having to really navigate the most like the first few rooms we were kind of getting our feel for each other but when we encountered the ghost kids that got weird and we were all like hey <laughs> No, do not. And everyone was just against each other. Like, I'm going to touch it. Like, no, don't do it. I'm going to do it. It's just like, do not. Um, I remember being really surprised at how when the virgin called out for help and help came and I was just like trying to navigate that moment. And I was just shocked that there was no help. Um, and also just how it resolved itself so um, neatly, I felt. Um, and then the other thing that was a, a jump scare for me was when we were in the taxidermy room and there was a dog that looked like the dog that we had before. And I was like, is this going to go there? <laughs> and it didn't, but it was a jump scare. I was like, ah, not our dog. And then Meeks was like, of course it's not. It's just a dog. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> I really enjoyed that bait and switch. <laughs> Meeks just has the best poker face. Like, with every decision, you would just be like, excellent. Okay. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. What is going to happen? <laughs> it was straight up just that meme of like, oh, anyway. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that first time, I, I can't remember if it was you or someone else, Corey, but I think you, you said something about shivering, and Meeks was like, oh, are you shivering with fear? And you said no. <laughs> and Meeks was like, oh, good. I didn't think so yet. I think my players in, in my regular game would also say something similar, that I am a huge dick about that kind of stuff. <laughs> that, like, I'm like, oh, is that what you're choosing to do? And they're like, Yes. I'm like, great. Fantastic. Great. And I don't say anything about it. And then they're just like, what are you going to do to us? I don't know. I don't know. But it's a great, it's a great, yeah, it's a biggest dickus. Thank you, Corey. <laughs> biggest dickus. Um, I'm curious also how the ending of the game felt. Because like, we kind of know what's, I mean, we do know what's coming. Of having to make all those kind of choices in sequence. Uh, how, how did that feel for you all? Strangely, I was a little caught off guard by how ready everyone was to like throw Bluebeard under the bus and like distrust him. I don't know. Maybe it was just the logic of how I was playing the mother. And I was very much thinking from the point of view of like, I will do anything to save myself and maintain some sort of secure position. And the mindset that I had as the mother was like, security means having husband, having house. 
And it was really interesting for me because I had this like very strong desire to constantly ignore red flags and everybody else was just like, no, there are flags waving in the air. (laughs) And so that wasn't the reaction that I thought I would have. And that was kind of interesting to get caught off guard for. It ended too soon. I'm saying it for everybody. It ended too soon. We had way too much just like, not for you, Meeks, not against you, but also just like, it was just, we were on a single episode, but I was just like, um, what? (laughs) No, like I want control over this. Okay, now we gotta live with this motherfucker. Um, I still have some things I wanna air out, whether it be letting the rooms open to let the demons out, but also like, we have to talk about your interior decoration choices and also like, um, when was the last time you cleaned out your closets? I don't know, 25 years ago? We should talk about that. There's some dust and I am not okay. I really relate to the bathroom scene of just like having too many lotions that like my ex left at my house and just be like, I don't know what to do with this. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fuck the soap. I need a three in one. I'm over the shit. (laughs) It's interesting um, that, that that's the one that ended up happening because um, I think that when you choose the faithful outcome, there are still two possible outcomes. And y'all ended up with the, the um, and I put this in, in heavy quotation marks, the happier of the two. <laughs> um, uh, and even still, it doesn't feel, every single time I run through an end scenario, it never feels like it's the right one. And it never feels good is what uh, is sort of what I'm, I've noticed about about those questions is that it it does remove all of your agency even more than you, uh, than during the game. But like, it doesn't leave any room for you to confront anybody about anything. It's just like, how are you living with this? Not well. (laughs) It would have been nice actually with some of these moments to almost have like, uh, not necessarily debriefing, but like, how do you handle your trauma from this room before moving on to the next one? It would have been nice to be like, okay, let's unpack some of this stuff. And now that we have these things in order, how do we go about the next one? Instead, we were just like, all right, on to the next one. Yeah, I think for a couple of the rooms, there was a clever mechanism of like having to go from one to the other. Like you had to go get cleaned up in the bathroom. Like if something drives you to another room rather than just being like, Ooh, what room next? And there's, yeah. How do you take the time to, to be like, all right, can we talk about this blood that's on me right now? Or like, can I just go wash it off and, and get on to the next thing? It also blows my mind that the rooms are all super spooky, scary skeletons. And then the hallway is just like, I'm sleeping in the What? <laughs> there's actually just, this? there's actually what just elevator hell? music. This is somebody in the Sims that was just like the hallways. No, I'm not using that. But then every room, rosebud, exclamation points, done. (laughs) What? Well, and I do remember there's like a specific example in the book about a ghost chasing the bride down a hallway. And I was like, but you don't set up the game to really work that way. Um, So I was curious about that, too, because um, I suppose like in between rooms, it's possible for the bride to be like, I want to go talk to the waitstaff to feel if I see if I can get to the bottom of this, right? Like, there's a possibility of doing that. But then I think as the groundskeeper, your job is to say, oh, of course, you have total agency, and then be like, you're now in front of a door. (laughs) Like, so I think it's interesting that that's the way the game works, or you would try to put somebody in that hallway that they could talk to, but that that person would, of course, be equally on helpful yeah um, or it's or it's like i want to go talk to the white staff 
Okay, and so now you're at the door to the servants' quarters. Yeah, and like, like turn that into a room, kind of. It was very much like you remember Harry Potter Order of the Phoenix when they're in the Ministry of Magic and they're in that little area with all the spinning doors. Like, there's no other option, just doors. What? Who built this? <laughs> Players, uh, do you have any questions, burning or or otherwise, that you want to ask Meeks? Can we do it again? I just want to know what rooms we didn't get to go to. Yes, I want to know that too. Um, without giving too much away, I guess like, it doesn't really matter. Give it all away. We're done. I, did, I did make one room um, that I, I'm really sad we didn't get to go to, which was um, like a dance room, like a dance studio. And um, there was going to be on the wall something that I found in my research called a foot stretcher, which is like, I guess if you were a ballerina, like it's like a very gross looking wooden, you know, oddly shaped thing um and so i thought that would be uh, a fun room um uh and for each of the rooms i did write what i kind of like a very very like two sentences this is what i think happened in that room um so that's sort of what was driving me and i think for that room i was like i, I think i said something to the effect of um it was a mother-daughter story and um that there was a chair in the room that didn't belong and that that was the chair that Bluebeard would sit in while he watched uh while he watched this mother beat uh, her child, essentially. We didn't get to that room, but I was very interested about the foot stretcher. Uh, I was like, how can I make that really, really creepy? <laughs> I just Googled that, and I'm really distressed that it's a thing that you can, like, buy Oh yeah. today. <laughs> That's... Yeah. They're common in a lot of ballet studios still. Conversely, although, of course, we can always go back, um, I was also curious, Meeks, if you had any questions that you wanted to ask your players at the end of this process. Um, I mean, mostly I was just so tickled by, again, like I said, I wrote like a two sentence description of what I thought happened in every room just to help myself, like give you clues. And, and it was never what you came up with was never what I wrote, which was amazing every single time. Um, you know, and I think like, you know, we're all like theater people, too. So it's one of those things where it's like, of course, that's what happens. Like you're going to give people the bare bones of, of a thing. And dramaturgically, we're going to shove those things together in the way that makes most sense um, for us. But so I don't think I have any questions left. I just sort of I always wanted to know what story was going to be constructed out of the breadcrumbs that I left for you in every room. Um, that was what was really enjoyable for me. And a lot of times what you came up with was better than what I have, just so that we're very clear. <laughs> um, for asking for Gina and Hala, like, I don't know about YouTube, but I kind of had a specific, like, I want to do these certain things. And after, like, our first kind of game test play, I was like, okay, I know I'm going to target these certain types of situations. Did either of you have, like, initiatives that you had premeditated or anything or, like, just from reading, like, Ro and myself and each other? Um, I didn't, I think partly too, because I, I, I've only played D and D. So I was sort of like, really, I, my, my plan or my like thought was like, I kind of just want to experience this and see what this version of a game is like. Um, but that said, like, I was very, I like, I was happy to be the animus. I'm, I mean, even in my other D and D game, like I'm a decisive character. And I, so I, I sort of also approached, I, I was drawn to that character when we, in session zero and then sort of shaped 
what I was doing around like building that character. Um, but I, but beyond that and just sort of knowing who the character was, like, I was just like, let's find out what happens. And like, what are, you know, what, yeah. What is it like to not that, not that Corey, not that I'm the like troll in my D and D group, but I absolutely am the one who's like, you all are fucking stupid. Like, can we just like stay on, can we stay on track here, please? We have to kill the thing. Like, let's go. Um, so, you know, it felt, it felt very like comfortable in that world. Um, but, but it was, but it was interesting to have to, I was just sort of excited again to see how the mechanics of a game and as a character, what that would mean to be forced to collaborate with in so many ways, you know, my teammates, because I can't, I literally can't do anything. Yeah. And I definitely didn't have, I still didn't know what, how to play. Honest. I was still like a second guessing myself as I entered into the game, um, which was all from me and literally not from anybody else because Meeks kept being like, you literally can't do it wrong but i was like i can do it wrong and i will but (laughs) i i was that was my biggest fear um but i definitely did want to be i knew i wanted to be the virgin because i find that archetype so um interesting and i knew that the virgin was going to be super contrary to everything and i also felt like she had a very clear goal like she there was no way in my mind I could ever see the Virgin going against Bluebeard. And I find her like that archetype so fascinating because I feel like that's something, you know, there's so much toxicity and like be a good, I feel like goodness is associated with the archetype of the Virgin and like what that means and going like heading into that and like innocence and all and naivety. And I just find that so fascinating and so scary as just like a person. It's like that thing um, that I, I knew that I wanted to really be able to like double down into that. So I had so much fun when I knew that I was irritating everybody in the room by like still being like, I know I'm going to go hard for this person that Gina knows is a murderer but like the virgin will never not think that he's a good person so it was really fun to like scramble to find all of that stuff and it was like really i don't know i just i that's the one thing i knew i was gonna do um virgin was gonna agree with and find loyalty in bluebeard no matter what which is why it was so, I think, really amazing when you did turn on him. I think there was one room, right? There was one room. It was the room that the servant got that that like tried to sexually assault you came into. And that was the one room we were like, well, obviously this there's something not right here. And like I thought that was that was so gratifying as a as a watcher of the game as well as a player of the game, um, to see like the virgin come to that. And of course, immediately reversed it in the next room. But <laughs> it was great to see you like take that journey personally. Amazing. Is there anything else that anybody would like to say before we go? More gameplay. Let's (laughs) do the thing. More, please. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, I agree (laughs) with that. I'm always very happy when that's the feedback after (laughs) that's the response after one of these podcast games. Bluebeard's bride evolves into American Horror Story Coven. Dungeons and Dramaners is produced by Todd Brian Backus, Percival Hornack, and Nicholas Orvis, and it's mixed and edited by Anthony Sertel-Dean. Our Bluebeard's Bride game features C. Meeks Meeker as the groundskeeper, Gina Famia as the virgin, Hale Roshan as the animus, Hori Flores as the witch, and Romana Isabella as the mother. 
Bluebeard's Bride was written by Strix Beltran, Marissa Kelly, and Sarah Doom, and published by Magpie Games. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at DNDramaNerds. Check out cast bios on our website, DungeonsAndDramaNerds.com, and tune in next week for another episode of Dungeons & Drama Nerds. Dungeons and Drama Nerds.